They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Tokyo music. Sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick Sometimes I'm nice, sometimes I'm not having it Sometimes I rock steady, sometimes I mix it up But I always stay crack and I don't give up What's up? Hey y'all Hey y'all Been a while but I'm back Been a while but I'm back How's everybody this week? I hope everybody is doing very well. Welcome to Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture. I am your host, Craig Seymour. You know me. I've been writing about pop culture for more than 20 years now, some of which I'll be talking about today. Um, You can read some of my music writing at rnbeing.com. I'm also an author who has written a number of books. You got the biography, Luther, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross. You got my memoir about being a grad school stripper hoe. All I Could Bear, My Life in the Strip Clubs of Gay Washington, D.C. You got my novel about three generations of black gay men looking for love. Who's your daddy? And you have my forthcoming special, The Life and Art of Janet Jackson, which is why the podcasts have been a little more sporadic lately because I'm in the finishing stages of that and it's kind of... um. It's harder and harder to take breaks from it. But anyway, um, I have a website where you can find links for some of the stuff that I talk about on the show. Um, It's easy to remember. It's craigspoplife.com. So welcome to a very special episode of Craig's Pop Life. Um, As many of you all know, if you follow me on social media, and if you don't, why not? At Craig's Pop Life on all platforms, except Facebook, but don't follow me on Facebook anyway, because I'm never on it. But anyway, um, a couple of months ago, I posted a picture of a cassette of a Lauryn Hill interview that I did back in November 1998. And this was at the height of the miseducation of Lauryn Hill era. And I was writing a story for Spin Magazine, which had just very justly named her as Artist of the Year. So anyway, I literally had not listened to this tape for 20 years. Mostly because I really wasn't pleased with the article I wrote. It was like one of my first big, it was the first big celebrity interview that I ever did. It was before Mariah, before Janet, and I'd really only been writing music reviews. So Spin gave me this big chance, and I just felt like at the end of the day, I didn't really have the skills to pull it together in the way I would have liked to. Um, So I was kind of disappointed in it. And But you know, that's all part of the journey of being a writer, and it's, I'm grateful that I just had the chance when I was in the game, you know, people, I'm grateful to all the people that gave me opportunity to, to learn while doing, learn while getting that check. And I'm very um, grateful that I was working in a time when there were a lot of opportunities because there were a lot of paying um, media outlets. Um, you know, there are lots of media outlets now, but they're not always paying media outlets. So anyway, I had put this tape of Lauren interview aside, largely because I didn't like the story, you know, so I wasn't really, I guess I was kind of feeling like the story was sort of reflective of the interview. But I guess starting last year with the 20th anniversary of the miseducation of Lauryn Hill, I began just thinking about the historical significance of the interview in terms of when it was done and in terms of where she took her career since then, you know, kind of turning her back on celebrity and mainstream success. 
I'll let you be the judge of whether or not you can see any hints of what's to come in, or hear any hints of what's to come in the interview. But here are just some things just to give you some context um, for what you're about to listen to. Okay, so the interview took place the day before she was um, scheduled to give birth to her daughter, Sela, who is now a model. Um, I don't know if she actually gave birth that next day or not, but um, it was definitely, but she was, um, you know, that's when she was due. And we touch on a lot of opportunities because it was so controversial that she was pregnant again because, you know, she'd already had Zion. And, of course, you know, the anthemic song about having a baby despite what other people might say to Zion was on the miseducation. But now the miseducation was, you know, in its... um was dropping and picking up and doing what it was doing and she was pregnant again so people was talking you know so we talked like she missed she was um cast in oprah's film adaptation of tony morrison's beloved she was cast in that but she had to um sit that opportunity out and we also discussed i had totally forgotten about this a lot of things i've forgotten about so it was really pleasant for, for me to listen to too but she discussed some advice that nina simone had given her about being a mother in the music industry. And she does a really nice Nina impression, so you should definitely listen for that. Um, we discussed her relationship with other women in the business, like Mary J. Blige and Erica Badu. We talk about some really 90s topics, like Monica Lewinsky and David Koresh. And one thing that I really, I've kind of forgotten about this too, but we really came together um on our shared love for singer Linda Jones. Now, if you know me well or anything, you know that Linda Jones is one of my favorite singers. Um, you know, unfortunately, she passed away very young. But in terms of raw soul, I mean, she was one of the most soulful that ever did it. And I'll post a couple of my favorite tracks on um, the Craig's Pop Life website. But... Um, Laura knew about Linda Jones. Linda Jones is also from Jersey, so that was that connection. But it's, it was just, it's rare you run up across somebody that really is um, deep with Linda Jones. So anyway, and one question I've forgotten that kind of um, made me laugh, um, that I've forgotten I asked her in light of her lyrics on Do Wop That Thing, was whether or not she'd ever had a weave. <laughs> so you'll have to listen to see what she says. Now, one last thing. Um, I just want you to realize that this is a tape that was left unprotected in a box for two decades. So the sound quality at some points is very, very low, especially toward the end. Um, I had a sound engineer actually work on the tape. That was some of the delays since the picture and me putting it out because I wanted it to at least get the best as possible. And, um, you know, this was recorded over a, like a, a telephone, old school um what do you call it? Like a corded telephone and with a tape recorder from Radio Shack. So, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, and it was for a print interview, so it wasn't like I was that pressed about the sound quality at the time. Um, so, anyway, there's about three to five minutes toward the end that are particularly hard to hear, but um, I think, you know, I think you'll still enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Ms. Lauren Hill. Hello. Hello, Greg. Hey. Great. Lauren? Yes. Greg? Hi, Lauren. Hi, Greg. Right. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm reading this. Um, uh, I'm being extorted by a friend of mine who wants me to do something, and he has a lot of old, um, like, old blackmail material on me. Uh -oh. 
something out of uh, <laughs> like dirt or like tracks or something. So he's got like early videotape performances and lots of stuff. So. Uh, she, she gonna be on the, another edition of that VH1 before they were stars. Or Trying to make this real. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that type of music, and I was really, really into it from a very young age. You know, I think a lot of people discovered a lot of music in high school and college. Right. But this was stuff that I was raised on by the time I was seven years old. So it had a lot to do with shape, with shaping my, my musical direction and also my musical expectations. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear more. Um, you know, I wanted real sound, live instruments, and, 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 and a real lyricism and real storytelling. And at that particular, earlier in my career, the only place that I was finding anything remotely close to that was in, like, the hip-hop, the rap world. Right. You know? So I kind of removed myself from the R&B, um, the R&B arena, you know, even though I sang, just because I was disillusioned with the way it had gone mm-hmm. for some period of time, you know? Um, but after the Fugees, and, and, and after there were people who were listening to me rhyme and also listening to me sing, I figured that perhaps there was an audience Mm-hmm. would be able to stomach, <laughs> you know what I mean, some of what I was talking about. Right. So what means more to you now, the critical, you know, acclaim of the album or the sales success or the just... critical acclaim is wonderful. You know, the fact that, that, that it's selling is wonderful. But um, there's no response like the response you get from people. Okay. The critical acclaim is like... Um, it can almost even be speculation before something is released. Mm-hmm. But the people, they confirm it. You know what I mean? They, they really confirm it. They confirm that, you know, that you're not out of touch, for example. Right. You know, I think any artist, um, or at least my desire, um, is to always, is, is to be able to reach, you know what I mean, and captivate and inspire and, mm-hmm. and move the people. You know what I mean? And the thing is, you can really easily get caught up just reading your press and, 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 and that hold you over, but I don't think it really would really drive its way home if, if, if it would really sustain me if I didn't hear that there were people who were touched by this music, um, people outside of the music industry mm-hmm. also, because sometimes, you know, in the music industry, we can have sort of weird standards, mm-hmm. and standards that are a little more intellectual, a little heavier, mm-hmm. and um, I've always been somebody who's tried to sort of... Um, Deal with the groove and with the thought process. Okay. You understand what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's certain music that's not really intellectual music. And some, some people may not appreciate it, but it's music that has a groove, no doubt. And it's successful because there are people who feel the groove to it. Right. And then there's music that's really thinking people's music. Mm-hmm. And there's even music that can be a little bit pretentious because people may not even be able to relate to it. Right. It may be deep, but critically, you just have to respect it for what it is. It's a thought process. But I've always wanted to really reach the people and and, and, and have a groove and respond to a groove and have them respond to this groove but also make them think at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of like preaching to the choir. You know what I mean? You kind of have to go outside the church doors right. and drive the message home. Mm-hmm. So if you had a moment where you, you know, seen, I don't know, heard you playing out of the, somebody's window and they were singing to... That is very funny. And it's always like, <laughs> it's always like the people I love it when it's just people, you know what I mean? When it's peas, we drive in a gremlin. You don't have to be in like a Bentley. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? You can be in a gremlin or a Chevette and just be pumping. That's what it feels good. Also, uh, I did some um, in-stores uh, when the album was released. Mm-hmm. Like a week, maybe the week the album was released. And the, the way that people were responding, the things that they were saying to me, was, it was quite different from anything that I'd ever encountered. You know, we had the Fuji success. There were people who would come up and be like, hey, you know, Lauren, I love such and such. I love the way you rhymed on X, Y, and Z. But this was different because people were really like, 
Exactly. Okay, so, like, hey. so how was that different from like what you experienced with the score and stuff? A lot more poignant, you know what I mean? And um, and, and, a, and a, little, a little heavier, you know what I mean? A little, you know, the, the, I would have little girls coming up to me at, with the score like, I love you more than I love my father! interview you say that you wanted your music to empower to inform and to inspire now, I know you want your music to reach as many people as possible but there is there you know a certain group of people that you would have been really disappointed if your songs hadn't touched do you know what I mean um, I think I think I, I definitely you know I mean everybody you know hip-hop is the voice of urban culture mm -hmm. you know what I mean so you always want to reach that audience you know what I mean I, I think there are a few people in hip-hop who would tell you that they specific message to like young sisters that's different than the message you have for brothers or like you know what I mean uh, I, no I think you know what I, I don't I don't try to discriminate with the message you okay know what I mean? the message is what it is and I sort of don't want to you know I think my sometimes my music can be so literal I would hate to dictate it hammer it into somebody's head you you know if you if you respond to this if you take something out of this and that was it is what it is okay you know I'm um I, I don't think I'm you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I just, uh, I just rather write out, write my experience, and then whoever it touches, it touches. Mm -hmm. 
another thing that you said in an interview once was that, um, you know, once you stand for something that you face opposition. And then there was something in the new Rolling Stone that, um, you know, called the album beautiful but preachy. What do you think of that criticism? Uh, well, I think that, you know, first of all, with any successful thing, there's a period of time where, you know, whoever doesn't get to say, whoever doesn't get to be the first person to afford it will be the first person to criticize it. Okay. You know what I mean? That's just, mm-hmm. that's just the world. Right. Okay, so you have to, you know, you'll wait for that. But, um, also, I think that the music is, um, it's very inspirational, and it's also like devotional music. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, um, it's a, I'm not embarrassed to mention God in the song. Mm-hmm. Some people find that corny, some people find that um, even offensive. Um, you know, you know it's, uh, it's always funny to me to hear people talk about, you know, um, things being puritanical or, 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 you know, or too, too goody-goody. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much baddie baddie. You know? right. It's like, this is just one woman's story, you know. Okay. It's not me trying to, because I can never judge anybody. But having gone through things myself, I put the story out there so I can hopefully help someone else to avoid some trap that I may have fallen into. Mm-hmm. But um, when you do, when you stand in a position, when you choose to start, there are a lot of different things that you can do. You can, you can always ride in the middle. But the middle's not a good place because there was a, a, a war in heaven in the Bible. And, uh, there were angels who fought for God, and there were angels who fought for the devil, and there were angels who just out of it. Mm-hmm. And once, uh, you know, Satan was uh, cast into the fiery pit, all of his uh, angels were sent, that fought for him were sent down there too. Mm-hmm. And But also so were the people who stayed out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because indifference is like, you know, bad. Right. So, I choose a position and I choose to want to inspire folks and, 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 you know, let them know how beautiful they are. I'm sure that there are people who, you know, would not have that message be released and, and uh, you know, who don't think that's very exciting or, or, or does their, um, their business very much good. Mm-hmm. You know, so may have something negative to say about it. You know, also when you raise the bar, raise the standards, you know, it's kind of messing with people's money. Right. <laughs> so, so people sort of, you know, they can very easily start to get mad at you. Well, as far as the preachiness criticism, you know, that's prim- do you feel that's primarily coming from the media, or do you actually hear that from people on the street? I hear that from the media. Okay, so do you think, going back to what you said about, um, you know, how the media can like a lot of sort of intellectual type stuff, and, um, you know, there's sort of a difference between the expectations of the media and the expectations of just the person on the street? Oh, most definitely, because the media is, is looking with, um, first of all, they're looking for something to criticize. You know, they're looking with, a, with, with some sort of scope with some magnifying glasses, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're really, as opposed to responding to the spirit. Right. I think people, you know, they respond to what makes them feel good. Whereas the media, you know what I mean, it's sort of their job to kind of really scrutinize and find out, you look at all the holes in the boat and, and the defects, as, as well as, you know, what's right with the boat, but as well as what's wrong. Do you think, I mean, do you find that kind of analysis instructive at all? I mean, do, as an artist, you know, knowing how much care you put into your work and that, you know. I, I think analysis is cool, but okay. I, I really respond to inspiration. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm inspired to say something, then, then I'm inspired to say it. And if I, you know, I'm not one of those people who sort of sits down and really forces 
to try and come up with something, you know? Right. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a guitar and, and drum some chords, and lyrically, you know, I'm usually inspired to write and say certain things, particularly with this album. Mm-hmm. You know, this was all inspiration. I had very little to do with it, you know, these mm-hmm. things that I think it was obviously meant for me to say, because I could have made an album saying anything. Right. And the reason I bring up the thing about... I'm oh, sorry. I mean, I, like, I don't have, like, a personal agenda. Oh, no, I understand. Run for office. Right. So... So it's in your campaign speech, yeah, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, because one thing I was wondering about that whole, you know... Um, the difference between what the media makes of things and what people on the street makes of things. Because I'm down in South Carolina right now, okay. and there's this beauty salon called the Diva Hair Weaver. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I was walking up by there, and I said, well, let me just run in here since I'm working on this piece. They got mad at me, didn't And see what they think about Lauren Hill. <laughs> so, you know, I go in there, and it's like 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. All the chairs are full. Everybody's getting a hair weaver. And so I was like, you know, so we started talking about you and your music and stuff, and I said, um... You know, does anybody bother by the line and do up? You know, hair weaves like Europeans, fake dance like Koreans, and nobody in there thought that you were talking about them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that that begs the question. I mean, are you? Who are you talking about in that line? Are you talking about them? That's funny. Yeah, that's that's my people, my people. <laughs> I mean, so who, who is the target of that line? You know what I'm saying? It's, um, I think it's more of a mind thing. I don't even think it's a, a specific sister. I think it's a mind thing. Because, you know, I'm not saying that women can't straighten their hair because we can do it. There's a bunch of this versatility. Versatility is beautiful. Right. But it's the mind thing that that's all you can do. And anything contrary to that is ugly or hideous. Okay. You know what I mean? It's a self-loathing type of attitude that I'm sort of, you know, talking about. Okay. You know, the fact that we should love ourselves Cosmetic, you know what I mean? All, all of that, which is cosmetic, and that makes us beautiful. You know, so it's not necessarily you over there with the hair weave. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying that? Okay, so let me get this correct, because you know there's a big issue, and there's like a lot of people who talked about it. I mean, so you're not, you're, you're saying it's not really the hair weave itself that is the problem. The thinking. Yeah, okay. That's what is thinking behind the hair weave. Because I know these, I'm not grew up with these girls. Mm-hmm. These, these are the girls who, oh my God, I can't go nowhere without my nails done. sister at the shop said to me that she just doesn't feel as pretty without a weave. And, you know, that was deep. And, and that's you know? unfortunate. You know right. I mean? that's, she's probably beautiful, but probably nobody's ever told her. Okay. You know what I mean? And there are a bunch of reasons. I mean, you know, I mean, going right back to, uh, you know, media images of, of what a beautiful woman is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you something. As a, as a young black woman, I grew up never thinking that a white woman could get a weave. It wasn't until later that I learned that Dolly Parton Mm-hmm. And all these people were weaves. Like, I always thought that the white hair type always grew to, like, the middle of the back. And sisters would just, hey, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I never knew how cosmetic cosmetics really were. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's not just something that we're afflicted by. Everybody, I just don't feel beautiful with my fall. So what is, okay, so what does Lauren Hill think the problem? The problem, you're really just ultimately trying to say that. You just need to feel beautiful with who you... Baby, think, 
Okay. Um, and, and, and understand that, that your importance, your significance has a lot more to do than what is on the outside. Um, most of those women who weave it up and, and, and nail it are the type of girls who are, uh, who are crediting their beauty to how men particularly or people respond to them. You know what I mean? Like when I was 14 years old, okay, it was very important that when I walked down the street that if guys didn't look like I would actually look back, turn around and look back and see if a brother was following me with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Or I just didn't feel pretty. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I felt attracted regardless. And I was confident enough to believe in who I was and I, I knew I had more than just what he was saying, sneakers and tennis shoes and all. Okay. You understand what I mean? But there are a lot of young women who are still trapped in that if I'm not turning heads, if he's not screaming, you know, and, and maybe even pawing on me, mm-hmm. then I'm just not pretty. And I'm just not. And if I'm not pretty, then I'm not significant. Okay. And that's a huge misconception. That my value is, is based, you know, directly on how I look. Well, you know, it's clear you've talked about, you know, how much you're influenced by the music of the 70s and stuff like that, right? I would say, yes, my mother graduated high school. Can I say that, Ma? <laughs> she said no. I can't. Well, so we're talking about 60s and 70s, right? Because uh-huh. what I'm thinking is that a lot of a lot of that music is coming out of the whole, you know, the Black is Beautiful movement, yes. you know. Yes. And, and that that was my parents. Um, the, the age that I am now, that's how old they were, and that whole that whole. So I was raised with a lot of that. And that dialogue just just does not exist right now. So Do you know what I mean? And so do you feel like... But it doesn't mean that it's not, it's, it's not significant. Oh, of course. Well, that's what I'm saying. So do you I'm, feel like... I'm kind of that chick that, you know, sort of likes to bring back into the agenda. Okay. They're a little less popular. Mm-hmm. But are still important. Okay. So that would oh, be... Yeah. Trust me, starving babies in Africa aren't even on the agenda right now. Right, well, yeah. Nothing except ourselves. It's very, very... It's a, to me, right now, right now reminds me, if, if I could parallel this time with any other time, it would, it would remind me of, of the later 70s of disco Watergate <laughs> you know okay. what I mean it's like that era and it usually um, it usually goes hand in hand with um, with uh, economic stability okay you know what I mean mm-hmm. like when people are a little more struggling people are a little more aware and a little more hungry a little more angry and they want to talk about issues right but you know I guess you know Clinton has done something but when there's a little more economic stability people are, 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 are very you know well my 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 Gucci, my, my this, that, my, you know. Well, what do you think of the whole, what's going on with Clinton and everything? Clinton? I, actually, I'm not even, I haven't even think about those, but, mm. um. But don't try to clam up on me now. <laughs> that actually political question. There's a lot more pressing issues, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Okay. That's, that's, it's a, it's like a comedy. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, that's like a circus, that's not, if you, if you, Love. I wonder if you could get a little bit more into that and explain what you meant by that. Oh, wow. 
feel any need to ask you about that. But what is all this? Stuff? Some people think that you have something with Missy. No, I don't. I don't even know Missy like that. Okay. I have beef with her at all. Okay. Why do people think I have beef with Missy? I, don't, I, I didn't ask the people why. I just said, well, no, they just thought that some, you know, that she was one of the people you may have been speaking about in Superstar or in Lost One or something no, like that. I don't, I don't know Missy like that at all. Okay. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. That's true, the Howard Stern, right? Mm-hmm. 
to like my list of things that people have told. A lot of um, Asian people, you know, were kind of offended by the fake nails done by Koreans. They felt like, you know, what difference does it make that they're Korean? You know what I mean? That they just, they've had offense at that.
Well, one thing somebody said to someone that's worked with you said to me that I thought was really kind of um, interesting is they said that they weren't used, to, you know, in the studio they weren't used to having a woman tell them what to do, and that that was very different. And they also described you as being much more controlling in the studio. Yeah, and that's you know, and I was like, well, what's that supposed to mean? You know, I, what do you think of that comment? Um, that's okay. Everybody, you know. But what, what would you, in your opinion, what would you say that you do that could be perceived as controlling? Well, I think I'm very clear. Even if I don't play an instrument, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I want. So I'm, I'm really, really clear as to, you know, and, and with a lot of, I work with a lot of great musicians. And some of them are older. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, some of them, as, as far as hip-hop, they may not understand hip-hop as, um, you know, as, as well as somebody who would be nice.
then now what do you have to think of what's the next album going to be? Like? <laughs> You know, another thing that really um, struck me is that, and this is a lot, you know, like you said, a lot of people thought that the song design was very mushy-mushy, you know. And what I've always said to people is that, you know, after all the flack that she went through when she was pregnant, you know, and all the people saying this and that, I mean, I think that she'd have the right to sing whatever she wanted to, you know what I mean, after coming through all that. And I find it interesting at this moment, you know, you followed your heart, did what you had to do, and one of the most publicized things that you didn't get to do because you were pregnant was Beloved. Okay? And now you have that movie's out and that's getting its acclaim. Okay. But at the same time, your album's at the top of the charts and I just think that's a wonderful lesson about Okay. So, um, I told Mr. Peter, 
other people take care of children, and that they talk about that their kids really sing your song. I mean, that they immediately connect. I am not trying to sing. Why? Why? Why are you being defensive about this? Why can't you just take the compliment as it comes? Mm-hmm. Because tomorrow, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Laura, are there any artists, other artists you want me to make reference to in the piece? Because I know you've talked, everybody talks about like Stevie Wonder and stuff like that, but I know you go a lot deeper than that. Um, like I know you mentioned Linda Jones in an article before wow. and stuff like that. And I love, I love me some Linda Jones. Linda Jones is like my favorite. When I go deep, people don't know who the hell I'm talking about. Right. There are a lot of people back in that era who didn't have huge careers, but they made really impactful music. I mean, there was records that I was listening to, like Chuck Jackson, mm-hmm. Mandela, the, I'm, I'm lots of people that, right. you know what I mean? Johnny Hathaway, people know of. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, yeah, hypnotized. My father's been begging me to remake that song. You should. You know, you should get the CD. The CD just came out last year. It's called Nevermind the Quality, Feel the Soul by Linda Jones. And it's one of her, they discovered like an unreleased live recording. So she was blazing. Yeah, she was. Well, she died early, unfortunately. But that's a Jersey girl, so you have to do something with that. Do her life story or something. So I hope you all enjoyed the interview. I certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. And if you like the podcast, please rate it on the iTunes. Please share it with a friend. And don't forget to check out Linda Jones um, on my website because I love her and I want her name, um, you know, to stay relevant out there in these streets. So until next time, be cool, be kind, be creative, and in the words of my fave, be your damn self. (laughs) All right, check with y'all next time. Love y'all. Bye.